Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 891 with David Rodelitz. I've been thinking about that the industry needs new ways to make money for a while, but I haven't, you know, come out with a project until Flyfish Club that showcases that. Um, I've been working, I've been thinking about it for a while, but this partnership with Gary was really the first example of it. Are you ready for it? Factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then, join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. Today's episode is brought to you by DiagioBarAcademy.com, and I cannot be more excited to be partnering with Diageo because we have such similar missions. We want to share knowledge and transform the industry. Diageo Bar Academy equips bartenders, servers, managers, and hospitality professionals with the insights, stories, and tools to be better They are consistently raising the bar on industry standards, and no matter what your skill level is or knowledge or availability, there's something for you at DiageoBarAcademy.com. They have master classes and live events, and if you can't make those master classes or live events, there's recordings, so you can watch it on demand at your convenience at www.DiageoBarAcademy.com. That is D-I-A-G-E-O baracademy.com get over there now i know you know about plate iq but do you know about plate iq's new spend management feature okay let me tell you about it plate iq now offers a new spend management feature which allows you to issue virtual or physical cards directly with plate iq card with plate iq card there's no credit check no minimum bank balance and no personal guarantee required This feature is great for small restaurants who want to eliminate expense reporting for their employees but cannot get a corporate credit card issued easily. And I've got to tell you that with Plate IQ card, you can get up to 1% cash back. And you cannot forget that Plate IQ still offers bill pay, incredible insights, and custom approval workflows. To learn more, head to plateiq.com slash unstoppable. And when you use that link, you can save 25% off implementation. Today's episode is brought to you by Margin Edge, a restaurant management software that uses POS integration and invoice data to show you your food cost in real time. Margin Edge gives you your prime cost daily, so there's no surprises at the end of the month. By totally digitizing your back office, your team saves hours on paperwork and gets instant insights to manage food costs, labor, and budgets in the moment, not weeks after the period ends with supply chain disruption and labor shortages, making real-time data-driven decisions is more important than ever. Because you are Restaurant Unstoppable listeners, Margin Edge is going to cover your onboarding costs. That means you get 60 days free to get started and up and running before you make your first payment. To learn more, head to me.marginedge.com slash restaurant hyphen unstoppable or find the banner in the show notes. With excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest, the co-founder and CEO of Fly Fish Club, David Rodelitz. David, my man, are you feeling unstoppable today? I'm feeling unstoppable. Yeah, I'm happy man. to 
Thanks for having me. I'm psyched to have you here, man. We've been actually talking a lot about Fly Fish Club and the network and what you guys are doing. Uh, I've been looking forward to, to making an example of you, learning from you. and We, we have you here today. It's going to happen. But before we dive into what you've created with Fly Fish Club, let's get that motivational, inspirational ball rolling with a success quote or mantra. What do you got for us today? Um, Estee Lauder actually has said this and I love it. I never dreamed about success. I worked for it. I just think that that really hits home and it's how I've always operated and I'll continue to operate. So, um, just go get it. Great way to get this thing started. And where does it make sense to start sharing your story? Because I know, I mean, you've been in the industry for 20 years, just real quick, kind of give us the fast forward version of how you got to where you are today. Super fast, very entrepreneurial, been working since I've been 13 years old, local bowling alley, pizza delivery guy, just kind of always had this in me that I, I like working and putting in time into something and seeing that relationship between effort and then, you know, compensation or reward. It just made sense to me. Um, went to college, uh, uh, Smith School of Business, University of Maryland, uh, created an event planning company there. Um, became the social chair to pretty much the entire Greek life of University of Maryland, doing large-scale events, bringing in DJs from New York City, bussing people to Washington, D.C., bussing people to Baltimore, creating a a good business. Um, Continue to do that through my young 20s. Created a nightlife marketing and promotions company in New York City um, while also developing this event planning company. Uh, owned and operated nightclubs, lounges, and bars. Late 20s, segued into the restaurant space. Uh, met Alex Stupak, who was a decorated chef. Teamed up with Alex and a couple other guys that I knew. Created Empeon, uh, which is a Mexican-inspired restaurant group. We now have five stores with a couple under construction. Operated that alongside Alex from 2011 to 2019. Left the day to day in 2019 to just work on uh, stuff that you know I wanted to do on my own. Um, COVID came around 2020. Quickly pivoted into a hospitality consulting and management company because I didn't want to have any liabilities or um, you know uh, you know large operations at that time, or I didn't want to take on a lease at that time. So I, I kind of. Yeah, so I, I just quickly made a, a new company that packaged this what I've always done for myself for other people, help people navigate through COVID, PPP, payroll protection program, restructuring, uh, renegotiating with landlords, you know, did that for a year, a year and a half. Um, early 2020, late 2020, Gary Vaynerchuk, who's a close friend of mine, who's also invested in some other projects of mine. He and I were spending a lot of time together over COVID and we were just excited with the idea of kind of layering up his marketing, branding and technology expertise on top of, you know, hospitality, food and beverage operators. We thought that those synergies would create something really interesting. Uh, so in early 2021, VCR Group was was born, uh, which stands for Vaynerchuk Capon, which stands for Josh Capon and Rodolitz. Uh, that was, you know, the initials of all of us. And that's where it created VCR Group. Uh, we also have a fourth partner named Connor Hanlon, who's a very decorated chef that joined us just right after VCR Group was conceptually formed. Uh, so it's a group of four partners 
um, that are very charismatic, passionate operators. And the general thesis behind VCR Group is to leverage media and technology to find new ways to uh, modernize and monetize uh, food and beverage. It's a beautiful industry, food and beverage, but it's very challenging. Relying on restaurant EBITDA um, is a very difficult uh, way to um, you know, uh, proceed. Occupancy is extremely you know, uh, expensive. Uh, rent, uh, labor continue, you know, labor costs continue to go higher. And there's just very little left for operators. So, you know, with this partnership, uh, our VCR group with Gary, it allows us to think about things a little bit differently through media and technology, find new ways to hopefully, um, you know, create new financial models. Fly Fish Club was the first um, exhibit of that. Uh, in March of 2021, Gary came into my house, got all hot on NFTs, uh, <laughs> just went, on, went on the record and said, NFTs are going to change everything. We need to quickly uh, think about how we're going to um, rally around this and create value for our community and ourselves and, you know, think of ways to do that for VCR Group. Came up with 10 ideas. The one that stuck was, you know, a members club, which is, has been around for a long time, um, but through NFTs, which essentially at its core, they authenticate ownership and you could easily transfer or sell that ownership um, and create, uh, you know, a, a lot of different financial vehicles uh, throughout that smart contract. You could create a relationship of always staying involved and royalties. A smart contract allows you to do that. We got very excited about what this meant. Flyfish Club was born and it's essentially a members only club. Um, but instead of renting a social experience like most of the clubs that we all know, where you pay a due and an initiation and have to do an application process. Instead of all of that, um, you buy our token, you own your membership. It is yours. You buy it once and you could do what you want with it. You know, the intent of the club is for people to use their memberships and to hold on to their memberships. But if you choose to not want to participate anymore, if you move out of town, um, if it's just, you know, not interesting, uh, you could sell it, you could lease it. So it's a completely different value proposition to our community. It's a tremendous innovation and we're pumped about it. And it gives us an ability to have a few ways of, of, of generating income, uh, between upfront sales ongoing royalties through the smart so, contract whenever a token is sold. Yeah, I want to get, get into that. I want to start pulling back the layers on that, and I thank you very much. That's exactly what I was looking for, just a 30,000-foot cruising, high-altitude, big yeah. picture of how you got to where you are today. But before we really start pulling back the layers on Flyfish Club, I'm just kind of curious if we can go back to 2019. Um, you, you had your partner, Alex. You were with him for almost uh, – Nine, Nine years, eight and a half yeah. years. Um, you started. You said you wanted to, to see what you could do on your own. You're interested to try different things. Yep. What was going through your head? Get it back into the mindset you were in 2019. Yeah. 2019, and it, it was brewing for a bit. Um, you know, chef-driven restaurant group. Alex is uh, a tremendous operator and chef, very talented. Um, I think what I was experiencing was I had a lot of, I gained confidence through the Impaling days. Um, my relationships were growing. 
my expertise and know-how I think was growing. And I think, you know, we were a group of four partners at the time. I think my confidence and excitement and entrepreneurial drive all continue to grow. And I don't think that um, my, uh, by being a partner of MPAON and, and doing that alongside, you know, multiple partners and everyone needing to agree and, you know, where are we going? And um, I just felt like I had some other ideas that I wanted to deploy. Um, I always had this entrepreneurial thing since I've been, you know, a teenager of just kind of going and grinding and coming up with ideas and activating them and building teams. And um, I felt I felt a little less entrepreneurial towards the later part of my MPAON days. I'm very proud of what we created together, um, but I, I, I wanted to deploy some of my own ideas by myself. What were some um, of these ideas? What was going through your mind? What I mean, I know you, you're making a great point when you're in a partnership with multiple people. It's hard to get that creative freedom because you have to get other your partners to buy in. And sometimes they want might want to go in one direction. You want to go in another direction and you got to do what's best for the group. So I yeah. can see that desire to want and to get away to test your own ideas. We were really, you know, we were selling, um, you know, MPAON is a Mexican inspired group. You know, we, we do a very, you know, we have sister concepts, but they're all in this Mexican thread or Mexican inspired thread. And there's a lot of other cuisines I love. I recently opened up an omakase, you know, Japanese restaurant called Ito with Masa Ito and Kevin Kim. You know, I love sushi. There's a lot of other things that I wanted to do um, that, that match some of my passions. And, you know, there was another layer to that. I was moving out of the city to suburbia and I saw a lot of white space at the time. You know, there was a, there was um, a theme of, you know, in affluent suburbia, I found that there was a void of elevated food and beverage. I felt like that generally was only found in, you know, major cities and I didn't understand why. And after I spent a year trying to do it myself, you know, uh, mass transportation, uh, the workforce was different, the density, population, the traffic patterns were different. I learned why it was very difficult to create certain, and it doesn't mean that other markets, people haven't done it. You're definitely seeing talented operators and chefs in other, you know, suburban markets doing, you know, beautiful projects that are great. I just, I had an interest to try to bring that to, you know, affluent suburbs right outside of New York City. And I think, uh, you know, that that thought wasn't as calculated um, as uh, as I thought. And I learned the nuances to it, um, the reasons behind it, you know, were, were, were pretty compelling why not to try to do it. Um, so, you know, but I was moving to suburbia and I wanted that, you know, uh, I wanted to try to bring this elevated product to, to suburbia and also match my quality of life. And so was that the driving force is really just like, I, I had this, I got to this point where I'm doing this elevated food in the city. What can I bring this to suburbia? Does this have, yeah. legs? can we bring this to the, the people in suburbia? Generally were the people in New York city. They just moved because they had kids. Yeah. So their, yeah. their palate has been elevated and they want to continue that expectation to their new lifestyle. 100%. 100%. Uh, so, was it just the cuisine that in, in the, the area through which you wanted to implement this cuisine that was driving this change for you? Or were you starting to think at this time too, there's a better business model out there. There's a better way. Every, more. Everything, every, you know, the business models idea really came 
about you know what we're seeing with Flyfish Club. That really is a byproduct of the partnership with Gary. Okay. I've been thinking about that the industry needs new ways to make money for a while, but I haven't um, you know come out with a project until Flyfish Club that that really showcases that. Um, I've been working, I've been thinking about it for a while, but this partnership with Gary was really the first example of it. Listen, it was everything from quality of life, moving to the burbs, wanting to be on my own, thinking I was more, uh, you know, I was in a partnership and everybody played their role. But I think, you know, I felt my, you know, I was probably worth more than um, maybe my partners felt like I was worth, not right or wrong, just a feeling of self-worth and where I want to spend my time. So, and, you know, I'm, you know, I'm a good partner. You know, those guys are great guys. Like there's no, no animosity. Just felt like I could do things on my own. I'm going to put in all this time. I'm going to absorb all this stress. And I feel like there's a bigger waterfall or bigger opportunity for me on my own than, than wrapped in a, a group, you know, with, with a bunch of other partners. So at what point do you cross paths with Gary Vaynerchuk? So Gary and I have been friendly uh, probably for about 10 to 12 years. In 2014, Gary invested in MPAON. Um, so we started some of our business uh, you know, interactions. Um, our friendship continued to grow, you know, from all of those times and spending time together. And, you know, Gary watches, Gary watch how, watches how people operate. He watches how you are in good times and in bad times. He, you know, he sees everything. Um, and then, you know, just the relationship continued to grow. Uh, Gary bought one of my best friend's business and that just continued to make us all spend more time together. And then over COVID, it just really kind of hit that. Um, we talked about opportunity. We talked about where there's a void. We talked about, you know, what will, what will, what, what would look attractive on the back end of COVID um, and decided to just take a big swing and, okay. and create a new company together. We're going to take our first break to thank our sponsors. And we'll be right back to talk about what those conversations look like. Cause I'm really interested to be in a, a fly on the wall uh, for those conversations. So maybe we can kind of recreate what those conversations look like. We'll be right back. Find out why past guests like Tender Greens and Kava are using Play IQ for their accounts payable automation and expense management solution. Yes, you heard me right. Play IQ now offers a new spend management feature, which allows you to issue virtual or physical cards directly with Play IQ card. With Play IQ card, there is no credit card check, no minimum balance, and no personal guarantee required. This feature is great for small restaurants who want to eliminate expense reporting for their employees, but cannot get a corporate credit card easily. And I've got to let you know that with play IQ card, you can get up to 1% cash back. That's pretty great. Now I've told you what's new with Play IQ, but you can't forget about all the other features you get with Play IQ, like bill pay and incredible insights and approval of hierarchies. With bill pay, you can seamlessly flow from invoice upload to paying your bill, and this is all happening online, so no more paper checks. Play IQ bill pay lets you see what's due when, and you can pay by check, ACH 
or Play IQ card. Also, with Play IQ Bill Pay, you can say goodbye to escrow. That's right, no more float. In other words, no money leaves your account until it's received by the vendor. We've got to talk about Play IQ Insights too, because I mean, insights are so important. There's insights to allow you to compare spend by item, vendor, time, period, and location. Man, I love some insights. You can even set alerts. For example, if a price goes outside your agreed contract terms, boom, you get an alert. And then lastly, there's Play IQ custom approval workflows. Only see the invoices you need to. No more duplications of efforts and no more hunting down approvers. To learn more, head to www.playiq.com slash unstoppable. And when you use that link, save 25% off implementation. Today's episode is brought to you by Margin Edge. Margin Edge is a restaurant management software that uses POS integration and invoice data to show you your food costs in real time. The beauty of Margin Edge is that the information is immediately available. You take a picture and boom, you have access to it just in time and everything that Margin Edge does is aimed at making your restaurant more efficient. So what exactly do you get with Margin Edge? With Margin Edge, you get automatic invoice processing. You can do this by either taking photos with their app, scanning slash emailing files, or integrating it with a electronic data interchange. You can get daily controllable P&L, including labor data. You can get recipe costing and menu analysis tools, not to mention you also get inventory management and actual versus theoretical usage reports. Margin Edge gives you the prime cost daily, so there are no surprises at the end of the month. By totally digitizing your back office, your team saves hours on paperwork and gets real-time data to manage food costs, labor, and budgets in the moment, not weeks after the period ends. With supply chain disruption and labor shortages, making real-time data-driven decisions is more important than ever. Because you are Restaurant Unstoppable listeners, Margin Edge will cover your onboarding. That means you get 60 days free to get started and up and running before you make your first payment. To learn more, head to me.marginedge.com com slash restaurant hyphen unstoppable or find the banner in the show notes. You know, Restaurant Unstoppable's mission because I'm constantly echoing it. It's to inspire, empower, and transform the industry. And I could not be more excited to be partnering with Diageo Bar Academy because they have the same goals in I am just filled with hope right now because never before has there been such an abundance of information and resources, and it's because things like Diageo Bar Academy exist. Diageo Bar Academy equips bartenders, servers, managers, and hospitality professionals with the insights, stories, and tools to be better. They're constantly raising the bar on industry standards. No matter your background or your skill level, there is knowledge and new techniques for you waiting over at Diageo Bar Academy that will improve your personal and professional lives. For example, they just launched a new masterclass, Tips for Profitable Menus. With expert tips and step-by-step guidance, their experts give you all the advice you need to craft exciting and profitable menus. With this masterclass, you'll learn how to create eye-catching menu design, how to promote your most profitable drinks, how to understand poor costs and pricing accordingly, and 
you'll discover how to create well-designed menus that will attract new customers, exceed your regulars' expectations, and maximize upselling and revenue. And it goes far beyond masterclasses like this. You can also join live events and watch all past masterclasses on demand at www.diagiobaracademy.com. Whether you're a bartender, owner, operator, or if you're just completely new to the industry, diagiobaracademy.com has easy to access resources to help you learn new skills and stay in the loop with all the latest industry trends. Diageo Bar Academy is a free online resource for hospitality professionals of all skill levels. Stay informed, inspired, and connected to grow your career or your business by joining Diageo Bar Academy today. Why wait? Visit www.diageobaracademy.com. That's D-I-A-G-E-O baracademy.com. We're back and you started talking to us about how uh, how you met Gary and how you guys just started to talk. There's a lot of downtime during the pandemic. Uh, you guys started the visioning process, like what's possible? Where are there voids? Where were there voids? Where, where was this opportunity that you guys were discussing? Yeah, I mean, the original starting dialogue with Gary actually started with a company called Bojangles. Uh, a a friend Bojangles. of mine owns Bojangles. Um, it's a fried chicken brand out of the South. And he and Gary is on the board of Bojangles and helping with marketing and branding. And Bojangles was ready to make a move to the Northeast. And we were talking about um, getting development rights and taking over all of New Jersey and opening up 50 to 100 stores. That's where the convo started with Gary. Uh, and then it just quickly spiraled into other things. We started sharing ideas of, you know, different restaurants that we love or want to create. Uh, different ways to leverage media in, res- in restaurants. Um, so then, the, the, you know, Bojangles was the, the the connectivity in the beginning, but then it quickly became that, shit, we're very, you know, we have endless ideas. We, we definitely have confidence. We have, we have relationships. And we're like, you know, let's do all of these other things. And then quickly decided, you know, that Bojangles wasn't the right move for us at the time you know, just kind of pumping out this, you know, QSR fried chicken brand that we love, but wasn't really, you know, the, the biggest creative process. Um, yeah. So I that, mean, that's where it started. Um, Bojangles franchise, right? Correct me if I'm wrong. So you're, you're one, this other friend that you're talking about was a franchisee. Um, and no, not a franchisee. He owns. Fran- oh, he's, he's a he's franchise. He's a private equity guy. He bought the business. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Thank you very much for the clarification. Yeah. Uh, so you are, I mean, you, there isn't a lot of room for creative freedom in big companies like that. So I, right. I, if you really want to be creative, you got to start small and there's a much more uh, room to pivot in, you know, to adapt and to be a, a minimum viable product. Right. So uh, what were these ideas that you were talking about ways to leverage media that weren't happening? Can you get into that? Some of the ideas Yeah, I mean, we, we were talking about virtual concepts for a while. That was a big, a big, you know, part of the the business model in the beginning, come up with virtual concepts. You saw what Mr. Beastberger did um, and the tremendous scale he was able to achieve, you know, so shortly because of, you know, his platform and, and his, you know, all of his loyal followers. So between, you know, Gary's abilities in, in, in that world and, you know, we were thinking of creating virtual concepts and then, you know, backing into brick and mortar, come up with a virtual concept, test it, you know, get some very cheap uh, second floor space, um, you know, to, to try the concept in, in smaller brick and mortar locations. 
and 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 really you know kind of deploy this virtual concept um which you saw a lot of these ghost kitchens and virtual concepts popping up over the pandemic you know so we were, we were hot on that you know we, we had so many ideas and we still do you know gr- create another great qsr brand to rival some of the other better ones um right now you know we're, we've had a lot of conversation about pickleball gary recently became a you know an owner of major league pickleball we think there's a great a great crossroads between you know uh, uh, uh kind of like a top golf with pickleball a high-end restaurant um you know more for like adult entertainment with pickleball you know so there, there's endless ideas but the first real deployment of our ideas was was fly fish club where you know we're devoting 90 percent of our attention to right now um you know we're, we're very committed to that execution so back to this idea of leveraging your virtual assets to grow concepts uh and this avoid with media or opportunity with media is that, is that kind of what where you're getting at where you have these influencers that are online that have huge influence yeah. how do we leverage this influence how do we go to these people who have influence and develop concepts around them is that, that that's right and then through through you know technology and the internet and, and understanding data you could really just get a better feeling for things without just, you know, the food and beverage industry, it's, it's really interesting. A lot of people, you know, spend a lot of time to design, build out a place, you know, conceptualize it, raise money, do all these things, but there's not a lot of, um, you know, data that you're using. Um, and then you're kind of like just taking a, a big bet at the end of the day that it's going to work. Yeah. You know, there must be, there must be a smarter way through data, through every, you know, through all the technology that that has continued to evolve, how do you leverage data to make better business decisions? How do you understand your consumer needs to then actually create more of what they're looking for rather than just like, you know, guess and hope that you were right? You know, with, with Gary's ability with media technology, we just found that you could test concepts, you could deploy them very quickly, um, you could see what's working, what's not. And then, you know, leverage and double down on certain things and have a much better success rate. Yeah, and I, I'm, I might upset a few people when I say this, but I feel like prior to COVID-19, uh, the industry was getting very reckless with yeah. taking multi-million dollar shots in the dark. You know, like, let's hope this concept sticks and just creating these concepts that are barely profitable that you have to be, you know, you have to win a James Beard Award or a Michelin star to even keep up with the, 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 the cost that have the, the, the volume to keep up the cost of these, these operations. And then they look, they want to point at the pandemic for the reason why they're not successful. Yeah. The, you know pandemic, I mean? the pandemic accelerated a lot of things, yeah. but the industry was flawed before. It was reckless before, before you know, and I try to point this out and like this thing, just, this thing just, quickly expose our vulnerabilities. You know what I'm saying? And it's really smart now what we're doing to take, and I say this constantly, like you can start a concept today because a concept is, you can start the brand and start yeah. sharing your story and do pop-ups and see if it, if there's traction with very little overhead as much to start a website and to, to leverage a friendship. You can start a restaurant, you know, and that's really all it takes. And then just capture all that with the media and start sharing the story, start building your email list, start, start getting contact information and bring the, your journey. Your, as Gary Vaynerchuk would call him your tribe with you. Yeah. Right. Flyfish, Flyfish club is a prime example of that. We don't have a physical restaurant yet. But we built, we're, I, I would argue that I built a stronger community in the last four months online through Discord, interacting with these people, doing virtual and physical events, popping up in real life and doing things with, the, with this amazing community 
you know, and obviously selling the token and all of these things, you know, we're, we're well capitalized. We have a real loyal fan base. We've got an active discord, you know, we're spending time with these people, you know, so it's, it you know, but we don't have a physical restaurant. So it's, it, it, it's, a, it's a little bit of a, you know, it's a little messed up in a certain regard, like before, you know, you do all of these things and we're really, we're working really hard, but we're working in a different way right now. We're creating this brand and it's all about the brand. And then the restaurant's going to happen and the restaurant's going to be amazing. But there's other, there's other spokes to this, to this wheel. And, and the brand lives in a bunch of different ways. Yeah. And um, I mean, what's at the core of every relationship? Or I just gave you the answer. What's at the core of every business? relationships exactly that's all businesses is a series of relationships you don't need a brick and mortar to to start developing relationships today and yeah we we don't we could echo echo this for the 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 rest of our time together but i I really want to start getting into how do you start like what what did you learn about starting a brand with just literally a website and a few social handles like where do you start if you want to take this approach i i have to be very honest about what the relationship with Gary provides for us. Gary has a tremendous platform and microphone and he's able to bring attention to things because of all the value he's created for people throughout the last 20 years. For anybody who's listening to this, they don't know the name Gary Vaynerchuk, which I'm sure is very few of my listeners. Um, Who is Gary Vaynerchuk? I mean, Gary Vaynerchuk is a serial entrepreneur, an amazing guy, uh, co-founded Resi, uh, created a direct-to-consumer wine business called Empathy that sold to Constellation, has a tremendous media agency called VaynerMedia, um, has a tremendous amount of investments from, you know, founding shares of Facebook, of Twitter. Uh, he, he's, 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 you know, one of the first movers, created Wine Library, where he, you know, he brought, uh, you know, he created this show on YouTube. Or, what was that? It was tastings, right? He would he would taste wine and yeah, wine, wine, wine tasting, wine tastings, and you know, built his father's wine business from three million a year to sixty million dollars a year. He's just an absolute executor. Guy works, you know, just nonstop. He's extremely thoughtful. He's a great guy, um, and you know that that gives us a different ability. You know, I just want to be honest about that because it's not just so simple to just create a brand, create a website and get people to know what you're doing, you know? So, but there's also a lesson here too, with the idea of strategic partners, you know, what are you trying to do? Who, who can you bring into the mix and how can you leverage your relationships? You know, and I think you're doing a really good job. Execute, you know, like it's great and it's bad, right? Like we have a big, you know, light shining on us, which, which brings a lot of attention. You know, it, it, it puts us on third base, but it also, if we're not thinking about things thoughtfully, if we're not, if we don't execute, if we mismanage something, it's going to be more quickly um, seen and, and and showcased because of the amount of eyeballs that are on us. So it cuts both ways, you know, but we're, we're confident operators and, and believe that, you know, we're going to execute. So you and Gary start VCR group in 2000. So you, Gary, and uh, you had a third partner. Actually, you have two other K-Pon and, and also Connor Hanlon. So there's four partners, but VCR was Vaynerchuk, K-Pon, and Rodolitz. Okay. Um, you guys get that off the ground in 2021. Uh, were you at this point thinking 
creating a restaurant with non-fungible non-fungible to- tokens was that on your radar or were you thinking just maybe membership different model like listen this, this all evolution? this all came quick like you know we started this a little bit over a year ago we've launched you know we've opened ito we've launched fly fish club with you know which we're very happy of where it's at, where it's at now we've got a few other you know products in the pipeline so a lot's happened in that time but you know march uh, you know, uh, the company was being formated. Gary came to my house. NFTs are everything. You got to wrap your head around this, get educated, do a hundred hours of education, you know, learn about it. So I did that for the next, you know, month, absorbed it. Gary, and I think it was May, launched VFriends, his intellectual property project uh, around all of these different characters that he plans to develop, you know, through all different things between you know, uh, games and movies and uh, toys and, you know, all of these different ways to, you know, uh, create business. Um, it was it was a tremendous success. We saw that. And, you know, then we, we were writing out different ways to use NFTs. And we've always liked members clubs. You know, members clubs accelerated over COVID. They became a little bit more um, hot again because there was a feeling that, you know, being in a private space with people that, you know, are in a private community might be a little bit safer than just going to public, public domains. So there was that happening. And I, I think it was just all this stuff, you know, kind of coming around at the same time, NFTs and crypto, you know, there's a lot of mystique and a lot of excitement towards a lot of people getting involved in that space. Um, Gary became the trailblazer of NFTs. And we found an application that, you know, took this membership model and flipped it on its head. And we just kind of had that aha moment where we're like, whoa, this, imagine if you owned your table at Rayos. Not not that it's your table and you could go there and gift it to somebody, but imagine if you actually owned it as an asset. What would that be worth? What would, you know, what does that mean? And we were just like, whoa, this is big. Let's create this members only club where people are owners, they have an asset and we're all aligned together to build this community. So before, and we did, yeah. sorry, before, before fly fish club came into the picture, what was uh, VCR's portfolio? V, I mean, fly fish club was, was the first fly fish club and Ito were the first two things that we've announced today. Okay. You know, all of us have, you know, a lot of restaurants before our time of coming together, you know, Josh was a chef partner of a place called Lore and Bowery Meat Company and Burger and Barrel. Uh, Connor Hamlin was the culinary director for NoHo Hospitality Group, which, you know, is a lot of the most, you know, best restaurants from La Cana Verde, Dutch, Lafayette, um, you know, Bar Primi. So, you know, serial operators and, you know, chefs and hospitality guys, you know, that have done a lot before VCR group, but we came together with our experience, but are now creating a new portfolio uh, of food and beverage, you know, concepts. So you started sitting around, you said you were talking about the different ways to leverage NFTs. The first thing that came to mind, I mean, I've always been a fan of membership models because it's predictable cash flow. You know exactly yeah. how much you need in uh, and what you have coming in. So, you know, like there's zero waste. There's a lot yeah. less shrinkage. Yeah. Uh, so I've always been a f- fan of the idea of memberships. Why do, does an NFT take a membership model to the next level? Why is it so much better? For, for many, for many reasons, the financial 
the financial model is attractive. You know, we generated a, you know, it's all public. We generated north of $14 million through our NFT issuance in January in less than a minute. You know, so that was the upfront sales or the issuing of the NFT. It's called the minting process, which is converting a digital file into a digital asset. So we have all this upfront money that allows us to build, you know, build our, our dining club, build this community, produce in real life, really special events uh, and do all of these things that are really hard for a restaurant group to do because margins are so are so small. So it's a very, you know, we have all this money and then we could use We don't have investors. We don't have debt. We're, we're very well capitalized, you know, so it allows us to make decisions, you know, that are not emotional that, you know, allow us to just think about the best decision. And then we could use our capital, um, you know, and not have to do the whole song and dance, raise money, you know, only own 20% of the business after, you know, all of your investors now own the majority of it, which is also, you know, a, a difficult, you know, uh, matrix. So, you know, so you have the upfront sales through the smart contract, you have a royalty component. So since we've launched, there's been between 26 to $30 million that is traded hands on the secondary market. Wait, what was it? 26 to what? 26 to $30 million has traded hands on the secondary market, which is basically like the eBay of NFTs. And the marketplace is called OpenSea. So this is proof that it's an asset. I don't get to approve this. I don't control it. People bought our token. They decided, some decided to monetize it quickly, even though that's not what we wanted. You know, we want people to hold on to it. They flipped their token. Some people made a lot of money. That's not so what we're promoting. Essentially, there right. was a fix when you when you launched. And I want to get into de- the details of where to start. If you're if we're listening yeah. to this and like this is a good idea, I want to do this in my city. Like, how do I? What like what need like what boxes need to be checked so I can even make this an option for myself? But how many total members can Fly Fish Club have? Yeah. So the the the, the entire collection is three thousand and thirty five. We've sold about 1500 on the original minting. And we held back uh, pretty much like a clone set of the inventory, about half, you know, because we need to make sure that the restaurant is going to be busy with local people. And, you know, when you mint these tokens, you don't have control over who's buying them or where they're located. So, you know, some people would say that that's a concern uh, or how do you know that, you know, people are going to be frequenting your clubs and that's why we designed that we've held back half the inventory that's in the Flyfish wallet. And we're going to hand sell each, each one of these tokens throughout the next course of the year to you know, local people that are going to use it, that are going to make this place better and cooler and more interesting. And um, so we have mechanisms and hedges in place that will make sure that you know, there's people enjoying Flyfish Club and making it you know, the best dining club that exists. Okay. So I'm going to dumb this down. I'm going to use layman terms or basically oh. Eric terms and to, to make sure I fully understand what's going on here. So when you created this, this NFT, uh, you said we're going to take out, there's going to be 3,035 tokens, meaning 3,035 possible members at its maximum capacity. Uh, no. And then you sold, you only made half of those available. 
1,535 of those were made available. They got right. bought up. Uh, when those first went, what was the approximate value USD for one token? One token at the time, the Flyfish token, which gets you access to the restaurant, lounge, um, you know, and cocktail bar, sold when we minted it for about $8,000. It was in Ethereum, but the USD was about 8000 and the Omakase token gets you access to everything I just told you, plus a private Omakase room that'll be nestled away in a private part of the club. And that sold for about 16000 When a lot of FOMO kicked in, you know, in this NFT community, and it went a bit crazy after we minted and people started flipping them, a Flyfish token sold for as high as uh, about 25000 and a Flyfish Omakase token went for north of 60,000. Now it's, you know, simmered down and normalized. And a Flyfish token right now is going for about three Ethereum on a secondary market, you know, or about $10,000. And the Omakase is trading for somewhere around 10 Ethereum or around $30,000 on the secondary market. Okay. So this this is what you meant by the amount of, uh, when you said, um, what was it? Twenty six to thirty thousand or thirty million U.S. dollars have been transferred. That's the value of USD of the amount of membership. Yes, yes and no. So on the minting, we brought in a bit north of fourteen million dollars of selling our NFTs to individual people through the minting. Got it. That was fifteen hundred tokens. What's the definition yeah. of minting? What does that mean exactly? It's converting a digital file into a digital asset on the okay. blockchain. Got it. So. The upfront sales of the 1500 that we issued from us to you brought in north of $14 million. Now, we don't own those anymore. You own those. Those now are assets to 1,500 individual people. Some of those people decided to um, lean in to this and try to capitalize on it. And there was more interest than the supply of fly fish tokens. And some, you know, a lot of people were willing to pay more money for it at that time. Did a, so did a, a few people buy multiple tokens. Can, is there a limit yes. on how many tokens you can have? We, we, we limited on the minting that people couldn't buy more than two. Um, Cause we thought, you know, people are married. They might want to gift it to, you know, somebody that's important to them. So that was the logic of the two. But some people, yeah, some people bought multiples on the secondary market. So since the minting has been completed, those 1,500 tokens have now been resold to other people. Every day, these are being sold, which is proof that it's an asset. So that is the 27, 29, $30 million number has traded hands on the secondary market, which we take a royalty of as well. Okay, so you get a commission on every time one of your tokens gets sold to a new. That's true. What percentage is that commission? Ten percent. Man, yeah, I'm starting to see why this is better than a standard flat rate membership model. So <laughs> when we get to opening the restaurant, we still have the. We want to make sure our restaurant operations are financially healthy and and you know make money. But instead of just relying on restaurant EBITDA. We had NFS, NFT sales or upfront sales. We have ongoing royalties. And then we have restaurant EBITDA. Between those three components, 
We believe that that gives us a really strong advantage. Yeah. We believe that we become a much stronger credit tenant to a developer. And we believe that we're going to be able to be less transactional to our customer base or our, our members because we don't need to forward all the costs onto them, you know, the supply chain issues, inflation, labor costs, because we have other ways of absorbing some of those hits now. And we could hopefully provide more value on the guest experience because of the different levers we have. So paint the picture of Fly Fish Club. What is your offering? Uh, a private dining club curated by our hospitality experts and incredible chefs, Josh Capon and Connor Hamlin. Uh, in addition to our omakase partners, Kevin Kim and Masa Ito, we believe that we're going to be producing some of the best food in a um, gorgeously designed space. Uh, in a building that will be with one of the biggest developers in New York. It's going to be a place you want to be. No, no, no moment will be uncurated. We're going to take care of all of our guests and provide extreme hospitality. And it's going to be private. It's going to feel great. Um, so that, that's a bit of like what we're envisioning. 10,000 square feet. Is it like, is it sectioned off? Are you creating like little micro spaces or is it wide open? Yeah, I mean, there's going to be a lounge. There'll be a main dining room, which will be like the heart of the restaurant. Um, and then the omakase room will be a private dining room. Got it. Uh, so I guess the, the natural progression of today's conversation is this sounds like a no brainer. This, this is a much better business model than what we've been. We, I mean, I think yeah. a lot of people will agree that the, the way we've been doing things is kind of broken and it's kind of just like rinse and repeat. This is what the, my boss did before me and his boss did before him. Yeah. And like, let's just continue to do what we know, but what we know is broken. And I think it's what I'm, what I'm really, what I'm trying to do with this podcast is transform the industry by showing people that there's different ways to do business yeah. that's not the status oh, yeah. quo you know so thank you for kind of painting that that picture but if if we want to do this like what steps have to be taken like how do i create a non-fungible like token like what, what's that yeah. process so like everything there's nuances to it and you got to ask the question why and make sure that you're really thinking about things in uh in a very detailed way um i fear that or what you're already seeing is there's a, a, a tremendous supply of NFT projects by everybody and anybody. And a lot of these projects are going to fail. Um, that's because there's a lot of projects that are hitting the market that don't really care about anything except for trying to make a quick bag of money. Um, yeah. So well, I, I just want to be made. There's also sketchy people in the, the loop. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. So, you know, I just want to be clear that the value proposition and everything that you're doing has to be very thought out. You know, we have the benefit of uh, having a partner like Gary that is, that is very public about his position on NFTs and, you know, brought a lot of excitement around Flyfish Club and VCR Group. So I don't want people to think that you could just come up with this and make all this money. You know, we definitely had um, a, a strong advantage of, the, you know, of having Gary um, as, as a business owner here. Um, you know, but we, again, have to be thinking about things in a very... Um, thoughtful way. If, if your intent is not real or good, it, it's going to be shown. So, you know, we spent a lot of money to build this out uh, over 2021 between, you know, the, the web three partners, uh, the front end designers, the back end full stack engineers, the three different artists that we had designing the tokens, designing the website. Um, you know, I spent with my partners every day, from May of last year to minting, 
designing this out, being on Zooms every day with 10 to 15 people. We absorbed a staff of 15 different people to build this out. We spent, you know, close to a million dollars in 2021 to put this all together and to make sure that every touch point was was thought out and um, was, that that it, that it made sense. Was so, a million dollars of that? Did that have anything to do with the actual build out of the restaurant, or is this just to get the token? No, no. You know, again, people don't have to spend that amount of money to do what we did. You know, but um, that includes the minting costs. What you is know, it, and like, what is like what? So when you say minting again, um, I mean it, it's weird because there's just a lot of terms being thrown around that are just so yeah, new to yeah. a lot of different people, and it gets a little convoluted. Uh, so the the first thing you need to do is you know have good intention, you know, and have, have a really thought out proposition is what we covered. Then okay, like I'm gonna do this. What need like what needs Start, started started interviewing and finding the best people in Web three. We partnered with a company called Nameless um, that was involved with Gary and V Friends. Um, we spent a lot of time with them talking about what we wanted to do. Um, that we wanted to do something that has never been done before. They liked the challenge. Uh, we started, you know, interviewing different developers and designers. Started speaking to what we wanted to create, what Flyfish Club would mean to us, who we are as operators, what were our passions like. You know, lived it, lived it, and and built the team of uh, we believe best in class people that um, were excited about it and, and equally you know passionate and wanted a challenge. So you um, build the team of uh, Web three developers. You said what is Web three? Web three, you know, full stack engineers are still a website that has a front end design that has a back end development, a CRM that then connects to the Web three component. So there's everything that you would need before NFTs ever came around, you still need come up with a brand, come up with the identity, you know, draw it out. What's your logo? What are your colors? What does it mean? You know, what is your brand description? What's your mission statement? So you best, so what I'm hearing is you spent up close to a million dollars on building the framing, the digital framing, the place, this is all going to live. A large, a large part of that was also the minting, um, and converting these digital files into a digital asset and getting it on the blockchain and and having it live there for people for this to become a non-fungible token. So each each purchase, you know, had a certain uh, small percentage um, that 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 uh, costs money, you know, and that was hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars. The rest was team, was design was logos was buying the domain uh was you know events uh you know payroll gna legal um you know all all of these things that you know we 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 probably overspent but i wanted to make sure that we had the best people (laughs) protecting us i had trademark attorneys i you know ip people ip attorneys you know, uh, general, you know, uh, you know, corporate attorneys, uh, NFT attorneys, like, you know, we wanted to make sure that we thought through this and, and felt confident in what we were doing. But you're also bringing up one of the biggest lessons I've learned when you're getting involved in the restaurant industry, spend the money upfront on a lawyer. If you're getting into waters, you're not familiar with the costs of the trouble you can get into the nightmares you can create for yourself down the road are 
far more great than the cost of getting a lawyer to tell you how to do it right the first time. I used to be penny wise, pound foolish on legal bills. Yeah. And the best, you know, in the last couple of years, I've really changed my mindset. And I speak to my attorney every day, um, who's now become a close friend. And I run every single thing through him. And he helps me strategize and make sure that, you know, we're doing things in a, in, in a smart way that's protected because, you know, you, you spend all this money on the back end doing damage control. Even if you had good intent, you could have just missed something or laws could have changed. And, you know, now I'd rather just up, spend up front and be in control of it because you put in all this hard work and then for something to fall apart, that's out of your control because you just miscalculated something from a legal standpoint, you know, I, I don't want that to happen anymore. Yeah. So we, we spend, we spend up front, and I think the legal part is tremendous. So get more into this, this process of minting and building the digital assets. So why did that cost hundreds of thousands of dollars to, to build a digital asset? When you say that, I mean, is this like the actual, like the, the, the artwork around the token, no, 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 you know, artwork and the artists, you know, probably cost us somewhere in the tune of, you know, fifty, seventy-five thousand dollars. You know, between our token design and the website design and all of those things. Um, you know, the the minting, the converting the file into the token, uh, the gas costs of the computers. You know, interacting to validate these transactions. There was a percentage of every single token um, that uh, you know what what was uh, costs were absorbed. You know, for that essentially to turn from that file into that asset for the people that bought that NFT. So our web three company nameless, you know, this is what they do and we design everything. And then essentially they are the ones that, you know, enable the minting process on the smart contract. And for all of that to happen fluidly um, with, with our front end design and for all of that to then be validated on the blockchain and for that process to, um, to go smoothly. So, I, you know, I, I can speak to the, the high level of it, but, you know, they can only really speak to the nuances of it. So I really recommend that, you know, you do your research on your Web3 partner, uh, make sure that they have other successful mints under their belt, um, you know, and, and I would not be uh, cheap with, with that piece because you could really have a, a poor mint or, you know, miscalculate something. So um, the, the minting costs were large. And, and that obviously was also the cost of, of this company to provide this service, you know, so it was a, a few percentage points of everything that we generated was, was paid to them for the hard costs and their services and their time, um, which was all well-deserved. Okay. So to get started, you need to create a type of token, a, non, a non-fungible token. And that, that process in, takes getting developers, coders, basically to build it all the framing in the back end. And then on top of that, you need to make sure you're, you're, you're getting attorneys, you're getting the right legal. Then the awesome. Yeah, I mean, I would say that the NFT yeah. part was, was secondary or third. First thing to come up with a concept, like what are you doing? Yeah. And why does, why does it matter? And but what's the value proposition? That's like any other restaurant. What I, I feel like you right. need to have that kind of, what's your strategy? What's your, your strategic plan? Um, that's right. But this stuff, like the the actual the the building out the the getting a token, the where do you even start? Like where if you're doing this tomorrow, where's the first place to go? Who's who's the who's the first person you call to 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 get moving in the right direction? Is it reaching out to web? Who who was your web three developer? 
I, nameless. 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 I, I think it's a combination of um, a Web three, a Web three partner, and I would I would look at some of the best projects. You could see, you know, different stats on OpenSea of you know projects that have gone well. You could, it's all transparent information. You know, from that, you could then you know do your research to find out who was behind that project. Jump in their Discord, learn more. Who's the, the company, the Web three company that helped them create this? I would then interview a lot of those people, speak to them, understand their bandwidth if they had the time. Do they like your vision? And is it a good partnership? And that's what I found with Nameless. They were, you know, they were they were intrigued. They thought it was a challenge, and we went for it. Got it. Um, nobody's ever done a leasing component. We were the first people to announce to do that. So there are a lot of things that I think you know excited all of us, and you want to do things that people haven't done before. That's that's the fun part. Like learn, you know, do something that's challenging, something that gets you out of bed. I would also say simultaneously speak with your attorney, someone that's very well versed or is trying to be um, in the Web three space. You know, because there's a lot of people that are doing things wrong, um, and you know, there's regulation coming, which in my mind is a great thing. It shows you the boundaries and allows the people that have the right intent to to operate confidently. Yeah. We knew we had the right intent and we knew we were doing everything above board, but a lot of people aren't doing things properly or they're intending to do things wrong and there's rug pulls or there's bait and switches and people are getting in trouble. People are going to jail. Yeah. Well, it's good. I like to hear that. Um, I do too. <laughs> so anything you guys wish you did differently? Anything that you've learned the hard way that you can give somebody a heads up, don't do what we did. There's a better way. Oh, God. Um, I don't know if there's any, you know, I, I actually am I'm quite proud of of our, you know, it was, it was very thought out, our, our collective team. We, we had great people around us. So I think, it was, you know, what we sought out to do, we really did. Um, I would, you know, the one hiccup that, you know, and again, it's it's hard for me to fully speak to it because I'm not a Web3 developer. But, you know, when we went to Mint, it was 11 a.m. on this day. I think it was January 7th. And basically, you have to activate your website and you have to activate the contract. The contract is, is what is allowing people to Mint. And, you know, that's what's connected to the blockchain. Um, you want to do those two, two things simultaneously. So when the website goes live, people could start minting and there's no hiccup. Yeah. Our website, um, for the two months prior, we did a bunch of test um, updates to the website and we wanted to see how long it would take for the website to go live with those newest changes. And every test that we did was between six and seven minutes that to deploy the latest changes, the front end design and all those changes would be shown six to seven minutes later. So at 10.54 or 10.53, we then go to activate our website um, because we wanted to be, you know, 11 a.m. Everyone was ready to go mint. The the activating the contract was a lot more seamless um, and really just took us like a couple minutes. So we went and did that at 10.58, you know, planning for all of that to be ready perfectly at 11 o'clock. And we did a lot of test runs on that. What happened is the contract got activated before the website. The website lagged. 
um, and took longer. And what happened was somehow people that are very experienced in kind of crypto and in this world um, knew, learned the contract address and was somehow able to mint directly, not through our website, but through the contract um, that our project was associated with. And about 50 or 60 tokens were minted within those couple of moments or minutes um, that, that, that there was this vulnerability. So vulnerability, you know, meaning it wasn't closed. The, the people's data was vulnerable. No, 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 nothing to do with people's data that, that somehow certain people were able to mint before our website actually went live and created a disadvantage to other people, um, which just made the supply, uh, you know, the, you know, there was too much demand. There's very little supply and, and some, some, you know, person that was experienced in this found this loophole and, and took some of the supply off the market. And, you know, we, we did our best to kind of control those things. Um, you know, the only other thing, you know, it's something that we could change. You know, I, I would say that was a, ch- a little bit of a challenge, you know, is this NFT community and crypto, everybody, you know, it's very transparent. People are in the discord. It's like a living and breathing thing every moment of the day, which is good. And it's also a little bit bad. And our project is different than other people's projects where, you know, every day people are, you know, people that are participating in other NFT projects are, are looking for news and announcements. They're, they're, they're expecting there to be all of this different movement every moment um, of these other projects that are more um, IP focused projects or collectible projects. And there people are just kind of like, you know, stuck to the floor price on OpenSea or the low, the floor price is the lowest price that you could buy the token. So there's this obsession over floor prices. Our project is an in real life dining club with a lot of other ancillary benefits of events, virtual events, content, education, et cetera. You know, our entire project is based on utility where most other people's project is not utility. It has some other, you know, purpose or value proposition that is getting people excited to buy their NFT project. So, you know, even though we conveyed this and shared that it's all about utility and the club's opening next year and don't worry about floor price, like I don't care about the floor price at all because I know what we're doing and I know what it's likely going to look like in a year from now. That being said, there's a lot of people that bought our token, even knowing, you know, our long-term intent, some people are just speculative NFT investors and are just buying tokens to flip them and are obsessed with the floor price and are in the discord, you know, creating a little bit of uh, um, negativity. And, you know, I think that's just a challenge of this industry and, you know, other projects that, you know, have not gone well, you know, there's just a lot of people that, you know, are, are just always focused on the floor price and, you know, um, you know, expecting big news every day. And, you know, I can't live in the discord. We're operating. I'm in the city three days a week meeting with developers. We're building out our plans. You don't want to see me in the discord. Yeah. If I'm in the discord, that means I'm not operating. Exactly. So, you know, that's a, that's a big challenge. I'd honestly say is managing expectations 
of this crypto NFT environment um, and and you know trying to match our intent with their and their intent. Yeah. So of this fifteen hundred uh, mem- or tokens that are out, what percentage of those people would you say are actually excited about the club and using the facility or versus? The, the the maj- other- I would say I would say the majority. Okay. I would say about eighty to ninety percent. But you know that minority could could you know create a lot of negativity and they could be very vocal in a 10,000 person discord. So it's a small subset, but they can magnify their feelings and amplify their feelings. It's always the smallest create- percentage that makes the biggest noise. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I hear you, man. Uh, if we want to learn more, um, is there a way we can like, give us a call? Yeah, fly- flyfishclub.com. Um, our flyfish club, uh, Instagram and Twitter is our handle. Get in our discord at flyfish club. Um, you can follow me at Rodolitz on most social handles. My partner, uh, Josh Capon is at Chef Capon and also Connor Hanlon and obviously Gary Vaynerchuk. Um, find us on social. You know, we're, we're very communicative about what we're doing and we appreciate everybody's support. David Rodolitz, thank you so much for taking the time to join us uh, to share your knowledge. There is no questioning, my man. You are unstoppable. I appreciate you guys. Take care. Cheers. There we go. Another episode wrapped up here at Restaurant Unstoppable. Special thanks to our guest today, David Rodelitz. And uh, man, I feel pretty enlightened after listening to the show. Uh, I had no idea how much legal expenses were required to get started with an NFT restaurant. So that was news to me. I, I, I'm sure you guys learned some things too. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please support this podcast. You can support this podcast by supporting our sponsors, by using our affiliate links, by sharing this podcast with everyone you know in the restaurant industry who's aspiring to be great. Right now, share this thing. Hit pause. Share it, please. And then come hang out in Restaurant Unstoppable Network. So we have some cool things happening as you're listening to this. Uh, we are getting ready packing our bags, headed to Iowa City. I'll be there next week, the week of May 23rd, uh, and we'll be back uh, the following week. But if you're in Iowa, whether that's Cedar Rapids, Iowa City, or Des Moines, uh, let us know. I would love to connect with you. So shoot me an email, eric at restaurantunstoppable.com. Uh, let us know where you're at. Maybe we can try to cross paths, have a couple drinks, whatever it is. I love connecting with my listeners. And if you're asking yourself why Iowa, it's because that's where Savannah and Sam are based. And I got to say special thanks to Savannah and Sam for being so generous with their network out there. But what we're trying to do, I'm I'm collaborating with SavinSam.com. Uh, they came to New Orleans with me. They were in Los Angeles and Salt Lake City with me. And I would like to continue to travel with them and create opportunity for them. And we need to build our YouTube channel. So head over to youtube.com slash restaurant unstoppable subscribe. And the more subscribers we can get, the more likely we can get sponsors for this content and I can pay Savannah and Sam what they're worth. And uh, that's really what it's all about is creating opportunity for other people. So how hard is it for you right now to hit pause, go to your YouTube app, look up restaurant unstoppable and subscribe. We're trying to get to a thousand subscribers and I need your help. I really do. I can't do this alone. Uh, Our mission is to inspire, empower and transform the industry close the knowledge gap and move our industry forward. And we, we need your support to do that. So uh, thank you in advance. If you are headed over to YouTube right now to subscribe and uh, yeah, uh, thank I just can't say thank you enough. That's it for today, guys. Thank you so much until next time. Peace out.